happy belated birthday to to you, Pep Guardiola, and welcome to the Miles Offside podcast with myself, Chuck Bailey, and super producer, Mr. Ian Stimson. How are you, Ian? I'm very well. How are you, Chuck? Doing doing okay. Uh, fixtures went all right, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. two all against Man City. Oh. Yeah, you'd have taken that, wouldn't you, if, if offered? Well, yeah, definitely would have taken it if offered. It's the, <laughs> it's the problem, isn't it? And it's the, it's the perennial curse of supporting teams like ours that you can get results like that and be disappointed. Um, <laughs> it's really, really frustrating. Um, this is the Chuck and Ian show this week. Uh, Miles Offside podcast is actually no more. Kicked it in, got rid of the shit muncher, and uh, it's just the two best guys, really, that are left. Um, oh, no. dear. Oscar has got some family commitments, and uh, we wish him all the best. He's cosplaying Chewbacca at a Star Wars convention, isn't he? Or something like that. <laughs> He's larping his way around, and he doesn't need any. He doesn't need a costume because he can just go in what he sleeps in. Yeah, just <laughs> massive, massive layers. Do you think that then promotes the hair growth as well? That's what it is. It's like an extra hibernation, or would the opposite work? And it turns out that Oscar is hairless. These are the <laughs> things people tune in for. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm now worried that I haven't been sleeping like Oscar does and that's why my hair's going at a ridiculous rate should I have been hibernating like some sweaty Chewbacca I think just keep adding layers mate keep adding layers it's that race has run it's done forget about it (laughs) well in Oscar's absence and in his honour we will be continuing on as best we can just we'll actually understand what the other one is talking about and not have mass confusion over things like hundreds and thousands but we will start with Oscar's favourite ever segment known as rapid 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 fire news our top story on the absolute cut and thrust of football podcasting. The Firefest organiser who almost blew a guy for a case of Evian water <laughs> is now the new face of Evian. Oh. <laughs> the man himself, Mr Andy King, who shot to fame as the guy who openly admitted that I literally drove home, took a shower, drank some mouthwash and got in my car to drive across the island to take one for the team. I got to his office fully prepared to suck his dick. <laughs> I mean, the timing on this is just, how did we manage this, bringing this guy up? And lo and behold, we're influencers, Ian. That's what it is. Clearly. And you're obviously very excited that Teacher isn't here. And you are using this as a reason to go with a dick-sucking Netflix thing as top story. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is, this is your dream, isn't it? This is what you've been waiting for. I feel like the last year and a half has just kind of been culminating in this moment and the fact that it is the f- I think it's like the anniversary of that uh, documentary and uh, so now that he is the face of Evian they, they've they gone with the slogan so good you do anything for it oh my, that's genius absolute <laughs> genius we love you Andy King I, I guess I don't know Ian's inspiration um, next story uh, we did say that we weren't going to talk about Peterborough uh, for a little no. while, with Ian. But on uh, Saturday night, um, Peterborough, he's the owner, right? Darren McAntony? He's a co-owner now. Um, co-owner. Other people have come on board, but he's he's still chairman, but he's a uh, joint co-owner with two other people, yeah. 
Right, okay. So so we all love a bit of social media and Dara has come on, on Saturday night to say, let me break my usual Saturday silence to answer the critics slash experts. He's yes. never silent on Saturday. He, <laughs> uh, he says that he's always silent on Saturday and then he has a few beers and he gets like, he, oh, I never, on a match day, I never tweet, I never do anything. Bullshit. Is he one of these people he has a couple of spritzers and he's anybody's? Yeah, very, yeah, I could well believe it, yeah. I love the man. All of this, uh, whatever comes after this is caveated by the fact that he has kept us afloat for years and I love him. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the first thing. There's no Saturday silence. That's bullshit. Carry on. Carry on. Okay, thanks, mate. Uh, to answer the critics slash experts, I have so much confidence in manager staff, players, that if we don't achieve the playoffs this season, I'll step down as chairman. Thumbs up emoji at the posh official. Hashtag all or nothing. Did he hashtag all or nothing? He hashtagged all or nothing. So first (laughs) point, is this a precursor to an inevitable Amazon TV series? And also, are you quite worried that you're going to be without a chairman when you don't hit the playoffs this year? (laughs) Yeah. Well, first point, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that Peterborough have done an incredibly embarrassing behind-the-scenes documentary. Uh, We had Big Ron Manager in the 90s when uh, Ron Atkinson was in charge for about five minutes. Yeah, it was, because it was Barry Fry as well, wasn't it? Sold to the fat bastard in the blue blazer. (laughs) Jeez. Good old Bazza. Um, Always got a bet on. Yeah, so that wouldn't be it. Wouldn't be the first time that there'd been a documentary. But what what is he thinking doing this? Right, we have I think scored one goal in the last six games, and we don't laugh. <laughs> and Sorry, we involuntary. Broke our transfer record for us uh, for a striker and refused a four million pound bid for the other striker, and we can't score a fucking goal. It's it's shocking. But yeah, why why is he tweeted that? It's pretty bold. It's, it's pretty bold. It's ridiculous. To, to proper put your cock on the box. But I mean, he has only said chairman. So, yeah. you know, when he's the owner and he does what he wants, he'll just go like, well, I'll just make it mega chairman. That <laughs> yeah, would be maybe, my title. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, like I say, I find it hard to criticise. I like the fact that he's on Twitter and he's really open. He chats with fans. Sometimes he argues with fans. He does periscope videos and all sorts of weird stuff like live videos where he takes questions and stuff. The access is really good to Dara, but stuff like this is the flip side of that coin. You're just like, why are you painting yourself into this corner? This this could backfire horribly and looks like it will. And it's just, either way, you're embarrassed. You either do do it and then sort of, like I say, genuine custodianship of the club, which has been great, sort of ends on this weird sour note, or you don't do it and go, oh, well, yeah, I just talk a lot of shit on Saturday, don't I? <laughs> yeah, he it, it had his... Uh... Absence has been notable since that was his last tweet uh, since anything. Was it? Um, yeah, right. Shout okay. out also, that something that I noticed, and sorry about this, Ian, having a quick look about Darren McAntony, was that um, on the 4th of May 2013, Peterborough were relegated to League One after losing to Crystal Palace 3-2 on the final match of the championship season. Oh, fuck. I didn't realise that again. Peterborough's right. total of 54 points during the 2012-13 season is the highest by a relegated team in championship history. So, you know... That feels very palacy as well. That so. that is very palacy. We are, yeah. yeah, we're the joint leaders in the Premier League of being relegated with the most points. But we <laughs> yeah. were when it was twenty-two teams. Yes, and West Ham have it for twenty teams, I believe. So yeah. there you go, all losers together. Feels about right. 
Well, something else, something that broke this week um, and is kind of an interesting one based on the kind of big focus on mental health uh, is that the Scottish FA have pretty much decided to ban children from heading footballs. Uh, they're ready to go on this kind of as quickly as necessary, but the idea would be that they would ban children from under 12 uh, from heading the footballs due to the links with dementia. Obviously, this is something that's been covered with various documentaries. I think Alan Shearer did one, um, and there's big analysis into the fact, especially back in the 50s and 60s when the balls were a lot heavier. Well, not even that far away, but ex-players ending up with boxer-style injuries uh, to brain or dementia. So do you think this is a good thing, or is it kind of something that could end up starting a kind of nanny state revolution of, oh, no one's allowed to head a football? Well, I think... When when you're talking about, uh, you said up to 12, is it, yeah? Yeah, under 12s. Yeah, okay. So, you know, there's all the evidence is that the brain is still developing sort of well beyond 12 even. I mean, this just sounds like good sense, to be honest. I mean, like you said, the old, the old footballs and specifically as well, mm. they used to uh, soak up rainwater like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they'd get three times as heavy with rainwater sometimes. Those yeah, balls. you'd know, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I used to make them. Uh, but like Jeff Astle was like the guy who scored loads of headed goals. And the doctors reckon that his dementia was a direct result of how many times he'd headed a football. You know, there's plenty of evidence about this. Uh, and US soccer changed it as well, didn't they? Where Because um, a lawsuit was uh, filed or something, mm. wasn't it? And... Um, so they they limit like the number of times a player under seventeen can head a ball or something. I don't know how that's done in real terms, practical terms. But yeah, man. yeah. I mean, this just sounds like good sense to me. All the, all the sort of all the evidence points that it's a ge- there's a genuine link. Mm. And you know, when you're a bit older, you can you can make the decision about about the risk and just like avoid the football like the plague, like I used to when I played. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I think you're right that it does make sense, and it you know the Scottish FA's doctor John McLean has said that um, there is no firm evidence linking heading the ball to the seas, okay. but you can't wait for the evidence one way or the other. So take some sensible, pragmatic steps, which I, which I think makes sense. But what but what is okay. weird is I don't ever remember being allowed to play with a proper football at under twelve. Like it was always under head height, or you know, at school you had to have those horrendous foam balls, and <laughs> right. there was no way you were heading them anyway because you'd just get a face full of muddy water. Yeah, grim. or you had penny floaters. Penny floaters, yeah, of course, yeah. Well, yeah, if one of those came in contact with your head, you wouldn't even notice, would you? Yeah, forget like... about it, especially when everyone was doing their best Roberto Carlos impression. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just, well, you didn't even have to worry about that, did you? You'd try and hit it straight and it would just fly off in whichever direction a soft summer breeze was going. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, he featured today in the football, today as we record, of course, on a Sunday. Uh, unfortunately, having a bloody gold disallowed. Bast! Oh, God, let's not... We're not, we're not... I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about it. But uh, footballer Roberto Firmino on the 14th of January, which was my birthday, guys. Happy birthday, me. Happy birthday um, to you. Thank you. Uh, was baptised in his own swimming pool, quoted as saying, my biggest title is your love, Jesus. Uh, this is from evangelicalfocus.com, uh, who said that he was baptised in the presence of his teammate, Alison Becker. Tons of people all around wearing these uh, shirts that have like a cross and equals love. Destiny, he should have scored a header. Crosses, crosses, he loves crosses. Uh, he was playing the Red Devils this weekend. I don't want to get into it, guys. He was baptised. He was bathed. 
believed in the light of God, he should have scored. But anyway. Um, <laughs> what went wrong? Yeah, I know. But the question is, does this mean if he was baptised in his own swimming pool, is that like holy water? Well, yeah, I suppose the whole swimming pool would have had to been blessed. It's just got a whole, anyone who swims in it is immediately bathed in the light of our Lord. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it was an emotional affair. There were lots of people there. Um, there was a gospel singer. Alison was there in tears and actually one of the people that um, helped to put him under the water when the time came to, to wash away the sins, etc. And um, <laughs> I mean, he'd been named best, best goalkeeper of 2019, of course. And, and I didn't realise that both himself and Jurgen Klopp, massive, massive Christian, Okay. Uh, is apparently an outspoken Christian and quoted here as saying, Jesus is the most important person in history. Uh, to be a believer, but not to want to, to uh, not to want to talk about it. I don't know how it would work. Never, literally never heard him mention Jesus. <laughs> never mentioned it before. Never mentioned Jesus. This is a, this is a, he's hedging his bets with this title, title race. Well, there is no title race, but he's just, he's just, so, he's found God just in case, hasn't he? What's that? There's a there's a name for that, the atheist's bet or whatever it is, Pascal's wager or something like that, where you you just cause, well why not why not just say you believe in God and even if you don't because because an omnipotent being wouldn't know, would they? Fucking no, Jesus but Christ. I just wonder if those two also have like a real connection and they just follow each other with everything because oh, of course you know Firmino yeah. becomes a Christian, uh, Jurgen Klopp massive massive Christian, Roberto mm. Firmino gets some big white lovely teeth. Jürgen yep. Klopp gets some big white lovely teeth at the same dentist, so, you know. Uh, far be it from me to uh, have a go at your good self, Chuck, but right. I'm just a little bit worried that the news sources, of when Oscar's here, it's sort of BBC, that sort of thing. Yeah. Now it's evangelicalfocus.com. Yeah. Everything all right, mate? The problem is that Oscar, I can't work the internet very well, um, so because he only works in like basic letters, that's why he goes on the BBC website. He was looking for something else. Of course. Um, and our final news story, um, again, is it news? Uh, this one's from the Manchester Evening News. So there you go. Uh, another source tick. Um, Harry Maguire has been appointed as captain of the Manchester United team. Do we think this is a bit ridiculous from a guy who's been there about five months and isn't very good? I know what you're saying, <laughs> um, but... I'm not sure it is that ridiculous because I don't know where else you look in the Man United team. Mm. They previously had Ashley Young as their captain. Yeah, so that's this is what is quite interesting. And another thing is maybe it's a poison chalice because they had Ashley Young as the captain. He's now gone to Inter Milan. Last club captain, Antonio Valencia, released in the summer. Club captain before that, Michael Carrick, retired the following year after being made captain. Wayne Rooney left the club. David De Gea, not very good in goal anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I get it, and it's the kind of not having that leadership thing, and it's something we've picked up on with uh, with Man City quite a bit. But do you think, therefore, that the days of actually having a club captain and like a real stalwart leader position is something that these big clubs aren't really that focused on anymore? I think that it's it is strange because... It feels like, and I don't know whether that's because everything's super sanitised with social media and everything, but it feels like there is a lack of captain-like characters in the game that there wasn't before. Like a, a, a real lack. It seemed like most teams would have some sort of leader who would like scream and shout at everyone and be able to you know, get the team going. But I'm not sure that's a thing anymore, as much as it used to be. In the, It's far... 
it's far rarer to get a captain like that these days. Um, I mean, who in the who in the Premier League could you say is that sort of personality captain? You've got Troy Deeney. I was going to say he's kind of the perfect example. By the way, yeah. this is uh, rapid fire news has finished now. So, all right, we've transitioned, have we? If if uh, you listening at home just wanted to check, uh, that's rapid fire news if you want to go back see how that fares up with Oscar's sections fine go ahead do what you want <laughs> I think it's unfair to tar Oscar with that brush but anyway go on rapid um, I did enjoy doing the vocal fry I must say um, yeah yeah I'd, I'd say Troy Deedy is because he's he's like known as Mr Watford mm. he's an absolute unit embodies all of the horrible scroty nature of that club um, and their new <laughs> mental manager <laughs> Yeah. But it does seem to be that it's it's the teams that are lower down that focus because obviously Arsenal we had that whole thing with you know Granite Xhaka and now it's just Aubameyang but you don't really see him as a leader. Man City they've given it to David Silva but really only because it's his last season and he's been there for a while. Yeah. Uh Tottenham well Harry Kane uh, I can kind of see why but obviously I think it's meant to be Hugo Lloris. So that's not so much. And then Man United, you know, they've dashed it around to loads of different people. But then at the the other teams, you know, you've got people like Troy Deeney. Um, I won't say Luka Milivojevic because I'm eh, not really that bothered. But no. Jordan Henderson, it seems like he's like a, a proper kind of captain figure around it. I don't know. I think it's yeah. just this atmosphere that gets given off. And it, it seems to be that it's diminished in value for the, the bigger teams. He's an interesting one as well, though, because do you pick, do you pick someone for their character... Like Jordan Henderson, who I think has definitely been picked for his character, when he's not even playing a hundred percent of the time, like he's not first mm. name on the team sheet, he, he, he does get rotated. Jordan Henderson, so and how much then the, someone else obviously gets the armband for that game, but how much sort of leading can you do when you're not playing or when you're playing sort of maybe seventy five percent of the time? So a strange one, Jordan Henderson. Yeah, it's, it is true, and I think that's that's right because you also look at like the the positions of the player. It seems more like he could be a captain because I think when it's a midfielder it's like you have a hand in everything you know when you're a goalkeeper it's it just seems like you're too kind of out of the game and same for being a striker because you're very much focused on what's happening at either end of the pitch yeah um but I suppose yeah you're right and I mean Solskjaer even said the reason is because of his impact in the changing room and that's why they went with Harry Maguire but it just seems strange especially when it's such a new player to the club I I just think it's dearth of dearth of options to be honest. Yeah, they are proper garbage. But we mentioned Watford, and obviously that's where the game week started uh, for this week. Didn't really get going for quite a while this week. I mean, we were discussing off air before, and it was an absolute draw city. So I mean, at least there were some goals, but not not in a Watford Tottenham game of a pretty drab nil nil. Bit of a shame, really, that it never got going. Yeah, I mean, I think we hoped that this might be. Uh, a bit interesting with Watford's resurgence recently, and mm-hmm. Spurs looking to looking. Surely they've got to be looking to for some big result to you know get them get them out of this funk. They, it's got to be it's got to be like they obviously they made the the sign in Jetson Fernandez um, on an eighteen month loan um, mm. from that team. Um, yeah, yeah, research. Um, and so that's kind of Mourinho getting his own way a bit. But as Oscar's kind of alluded to in the past, and we've all seen, like he does love to shit things up a bit at his own club just so that he gets a bit more money on it. And so you wonder if that's the case 
Spurs did come out off a bit lucky in this one after the penalty miss, which would never have banked on Deeney missing that penalty. No. Ever. Um, especially after, you know, at the minute with the run they've been on and him just hammering balls in. Like, he scored a massive, massive just thunder bastard last week against Bournemouth. Um, if you can say it's a thunder bastard from nine yards out. But it's a pretty soft penalty and a good save from Gazaniga as well. But their, their combined XG for this game, even though it was nil-nil, there you go, Oscar, one for you there, um, was 4.0. So there should have been four goals in that game and there was none. And it just feels like we've all been robbed a bit this week. Robbed yeah. of goals, robbed of points. I hate fancy football. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, mate, we will get there, though. Mm-mm. Yeah, please don't, mummy. Um <laughs> And then, yeah, so that was kind of followed up with, with another load of draws. Um, we had Arsenal-Sheffield United at one all. Is that Was that really a surprise? No, I don't think so. I'd, I'd actually bet on a nil-nil for that one. I thought there was going to be nothing nothing doing at all. And and there wasn't a great deal, to be honest. I absolutely love uh, Wilder coming out afterwards and still managing to be pissed off. still pissed off. (laughs) Like, just consistently annoyed at his team, even when they're getting a point off of Arsenal. I mean, the mentality of that guy is fantastic. Like, you you cannot fault that. And people like that are the reason, you know, these kind of things become successful, be that, you know, if you start your own business, if you have a product, if you run a football team. And, And the fact that they've been promoted... What they were in League One a couple of years ago. If were they in League Two, I don't think they were that. I don't far think they went that low. No, no. <laughs> but it's not been that many years, and now you're in the Premiership for the first time in God knows how long. You're seventh in in January, end of January now. Well, mid, um, and you're pissed off because you're getting draws against Arsenal, <laughs> yeah. who are below you in the table. Um, yeah, it says a lot. It was buried quite towards the end of match of the day and, and just never really got going. But do in terms of just to link it a bit more to FPL, do has the Sheffield United train kind of changed with which players to go for? Because we were on kind of Lundstrom for a very long time and Bulldog, and now it just seems to be that guy Fleck. Like yeah. Just popping up with goals everywhere. And he seems surprised by it as well. <laughs> like He was like... <laughs> I don't score, you know, I didn't score many in the championship, you know, it wasn't really part of my game, but he's he's just getting on the end of stuff at the minute. Yeah, he's very much always popping up in the box. Yeah, and I think the thing with Sheffield is they just, they probably because they're scared, they don't stop running. They just, they harass constantly. Because they're, they're scared of Wilder, is that what you yeah, think Yeah, that's, that's what I think so, yeah, I fucking would be. Um, he's Because he's just never, never happy with you, whatever you're doing, but... Yeah, they they um their industriousness is quite something. It, it it really is. They don't they don't ever stop, and they don't seem to be. And why would you be this season? But they they're not cowed by Arsenal or coming up against the team. No, like that. but no one's. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone that's shown though that team a respect whatsoever. And I think that has been a, a kind of thing in the last couple of years that there's. I think with Wolves doing very well last year, and then obviously Sheffield have done really well this year, and even uh, yeah, even Aston Villa who are way down there, who remain in the in the relegation zone after their one-one draw with um, Brighton this week, but the amount of goals they've scored is is quite high. Like they've scored twenty-nine goals, uh, which is the same amount as Southampton. It's I mean way more than Palace. Uh, actually, four more than Sheffield United themselves. But 
they're way down because of their defence. And so obviously that's where the problems lie for that team. But I think when you're scoring that many goals, it also shows that there's there's a massive change now in a, in a kind of disruption in, into these teams that come up having absolutely no fear and and not respecting teams like Arsenal and underst- and acknowledging when there are results and points to be taken. Yeah, I think, uh, I know you sort of have a running joke of the, uh, and we change it all the time, but the homogenous blob of shit that is the mid-table of uh, a- the Premier a- League. Amorphous blob. Amorphous <laughs> void of bullshit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it changes every week. But yeah, fine. why not? Um but like that that is true the the amounts of money that come from like the broadcasting um thing constantly going up from different sources and stuff means that you you can get your west hams and your evertons and stuff spending ridiculous amounts of money on players like they're in the mm-hmm. in the race for big players and the top 4 isn't a closed shop anymore no not at all so you know they, they can potentially entice players with thoughts of Champions League football maybe and that's that has all sort of filtered downwards and yeah clubs like attacking clever attacking teams like Sheffield United anyway with decent tactical managers there's absolutely no need for them to be scared of clubs clubs like Arsenal that are sort of on the wane from that sort of top four mm-hmm. situation they used to be in and it, it isn't working out for Villa and Norwich but even Norwich have shown that they can beat Man City on their day so there's no need in individual games for, for teams to be cowed by, um, you know, what used to be great teams like Arsenal. And that's going to hurt some people hearing that. But it's true, <laughs> it used to be great. And I didn't want to feel single out, Adam, but yeah, let's do it. Yeah, why not? We always do. He knows by this point, to be fair, it's kind of implied. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it's great to see a team like Sheffield United give it a go. It gives gives us all hope, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I, I, it's it's funny you mentioned before about the the money coming in and something that was released uh, last week was the Deloitte money report of of kind of the financial earnings uh, from last year for all of the clubs around the world. It yeah. seems like the kind of thing that I should have done research for and maybe would have been in rapid fire news, but fuck it. Um, <laughs> and uh, Wolves were, were very, very high up because their revenue last year, because of how well they did, was 170 million. Barcelona, obviously way up the top on 730 odd million. Real Madrid follow up and then Man United below that. And they kind of filter down then. But to be that high up, and I think the seventh highest club in the in the Premier League thus getting Europe and those kind of things it kind of shows the prize that's there as well and that it's worth it yeah I think a lot of fans are a bit disparaging about um, the Europa League place and whether the teams actually want it or not because it can cause problems next season but of course they want it you know if not just from a financial point of view you know they clubs definitely want it players want want to play in Europe and especially players who play for teams like Wolves they want to get in Europe and they want to do it again and again yeah just just once I'd love Palace to be in that like I don't care and that's why all the Wolves fans must be absolutely loving it especially you know how well they did through all of the the group stages even when they had the fixture congestion and the qualifying rounds and and everything they've done an amazing job so I can't wait to see how that goes And, and you can tell because of the way they play like they just don't know bloody wolves like don't go ahead against wolves in anything (laughs) earlier than like the 92nd minute like just don't do it because they'll just get angry and play and Southampton found that out this week you know obviously they went 2-0 up and looked like they were golden in the first half and then wolves just came back and just 
blitzed them. Absolutely blitzed them. The Southampton defence looked all out of sorts and Jimenez and Traore ran the show again. Yeah, Traore is having a hell of a season. Um, because you know Jimenez has been a little bit up and down. Mm. Although uh, match of the day showed a graphic of his goal involvement. Now obviously he's had a lot of games. I thought I did think at the time I was like, well, that's slightly disingenuous because mm. Wolves did start playing in fucking August or whatever. But as in like you know, I knew what you went. Just you picked the wrong month. I did pick the wrong month. Yeah, <laughs> had a lot of games. Um, but anyway. Jimenez has been a little bit up and down in the Premier League, definitely, but Traore is just something else this season. He's fucking huge and he can run and he he can actually keep the ball now as well. Yeah, and he's, he's got a lot more patience to his game. Before it was, once he beat that person, he would just spray the ball like it didn't matter. Um, right. I can't remember if I said this before, but I saw him play uh, when he was playing for Middlesbrough um against Palace and and I was at first I knew how fast he was and what his kind of record was in in I think he played in Portugal I'm not 100% sure of that but anyway in a different league and so I was expecting right you can't be right up on this guy because he's always going to beat you deep um and then obviously he would do that and beat men and then just spray the ball into anywhere but the goal like it was instantly no fear and you could see why the defenders didn't really mind if you gave him the ball whereas now and especially I think for the third goal his hold-up play and his intelligence was so much better because he knew he could draw the players out bite it back a bit drag in one more and then play a perfect pass to Jimenez who shouldn't be unmarked on the center on the center circle on the penalty spot yeah. Um, to slot it away for for Wolves third, and it's it's just fantastic. Like that that club, you know, I was down on them a bit last year, but no, mm. fuck it. Like that's that's a fantastic story and a fantastic example of of what can happen. Yes, of course, with a bit of money, but what Premier League club doesn't have money? Yeah, exactly. Um, but just the ambition and the de- and the desire, and and good on them because they. You know, it's not just a flash in the pan. They got their last series season and got the Europa League spot, and now they're up there again. I think there was uh, in this game specifically as well. There was a bit of a bit of Southampton sort of going, "Hang on, what the fuck are you doing? Don't you know we're on a brilliant run and we're two 0 up?" Like <laughs> they, they they really did sort of seem to not not be able to. Have, certainly, Traore didn't didn't seem to. He was playing like centrally, wasn't he? Um, he was, yeah, he was kind of chopping in, but saying more on the right. Um, right, okay. And Jimenez was kind of drifting out a little bit with Jota as well. And so they were kind of interlinking quite well. But most of the goals came straight down the middle, actually, which, like I've said before, with, with Palace conceding that goal against Arsenal, like it's a bit worrying when teams can just cut straight through the middle of you. Yeah, true. They they, they did seem to stand off a little bit. I think it was uh, Huge Neto, Neto's goal where... He sort of miscontrolled it and he seemed to have about five minutes to reset himself and stick it in. He took it down in the box, didn't he? Yeah. No one closing down. He he Yeah, you're right. He miscontrolled it, then gets it under control, can take another touch and then slot it. You know, like it was it was sort of like, come on, someone someone do something here, because there's there's no one else around that's gonna cause a problem. So you can you can close it, you know, you can close this out. No, didn't didn't <laughs> do it. So it was just sort of there was a, I think there was a little aspect of Southampton taking their foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah, it's good to see that there is still some elements of the old Southampton there as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would be a shame if they were completely uh, revitalised. But um, yeah, I think it was just a shame, really. They came 
you know, obviously they've been on a very good run, beating teams that you would traditionally think were much better. And then they come up against Wolves, a team where traditionally you might think they had a chance. It's just like, no, they've got mental strength, like you wouldn't believe. And they just, you know, they. <laughs> I think Nuno said, yep, yeah, some words were said at half-time. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet they were. But it seems to have sorted them out. And it was, yeah, it was a real, real good performance from Wolves. It was impressive stuff. Absolutely, in, in the second half. And it's, you know, hopefully this dip in form uh, can continue just a little bit longer for Southampton. Um, sorry, Rath. Uh, because <laughs> their opponents on Tuesday, uh, speaking as well, of coming from behind uh, Man City 2, Crystal Palace 2 at the Etihad. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> it was a good time. Oh, your boy, Tosin. Tosin. I mean, I did. I called it. I'm I'm just going to say, like, I mean, we hadn't scored from a corner the whole season. I think even from a free kick, like a knockdown or, or anything. Yeah. All season. And I said before, the reason when Benteke was good, and he still can be good again, is that <laughs> we have to play to his strengths. And the way we used to play, wing play, crossing balls in, he's the main man, lovely jubbly. So finally we get a player with a bit of confidence who's fighting with something, put crosses in, Gary Cahill, back post. Cenk Tosin, front post. Thank you very much. Then give Sergio Aguero the ball. Uh, yeah. So that wasn't a very fun, fun minutes. Uh, five minutes, sorry. <laughs> fun, fun minutes. Fun, fun minutes. I think it would it would have been pushing a bit hard to expect us, even, even a team with such an elite defence as ours, uh, <laughs> to keep a clean sheet against Man City. Yeah. Um, it was a bit disappointing... Uh, to see the manner in which kind of Aguero was kind of left to do his thing a bit, I think, for both goals. However, 82nd minute, like, you know, you've been ahead for, what, it was before half-time, it was like the 30-something minute. So when you've been ahead for almost an hour, mentally dealing with that barrage of City players and having everyone be a threat, I don't, you know, you can't really blame anyone that. But, you know, we spoke about it with Wolves, the drive, the desire, the, the fight. Um, and and that's exactly what Palace had, and that's what Zaha had at the end to to beat Stones, who he had a good measure of uh, for most of the game. Uh, Stones not not having his best time, but managing to force the error out of Fernandinho um, because he knew Conor Wickham was right there and nab something at the end, which is is fantastic, and I think it's deserved. I think definitely, especially as Man City have been a bit. Well, if we look at the league table, they've definitely been out of sorts for them. It was disappointing when the second goal went in, like just because obviously uh, I'm mates with you as a Palace fan. It was just like, <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Because <laughs> yeah, I know exactly they were, what. They were, very, they were very rapid, rapid, rapid fire. Um, <laughs> uh, they were five, four or five minutes apart. So, yeah, it's but that's that's what teams like City do to you and that's what they thrive on. And it's just, you know, this time it didn't work out because we managed to, to get the error. Uh, earlier on, there was the penalty decision, well, potential penalty decision with Zaha on Stones, which I can see why it wasn't given. Um, Zaha kind of runs off the ball in the box to initiate the contact with Stones. But I think it's one of those ones where when you watch Zaha play a lot, you know, people on BT Sport were all saying, well, no, he's run away from the ball. He's got nowhere near the ball. But he very often does quite a big weight shift to one mm. side to then flick the ball behind his other leg. 
um, yeah. to kind of change direction very, very quickly. It's often what has got us penalties in the past because of the timing of it that he does that change of direction and then goes straight into someone else's legs. But it was a bit earlier there. So I'm not going to be too aggrieved about that. Um, especially as Milivojevic wasn't on the pitch, so we wouldn't have scored it anyway. <laughs> irrelevant, irrelevant. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but no, lovely, another draw to add. Um, I think we're now, we've only lost one game out of the last 10. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, there was the loss against Derby County. Let's not go into that. Um, <laughs> it's it's a lot of draws, mind. Like Yeah, yeah. So we lost to Liverpool, fair dues. Beat Burnley, Bournemouth, drew with Watford, drew with Brighton, lost to Newcastle. <laughs> beat West Ham, drew Southampton, drew Norwich, lost to Derby, <laughs> drew Arsenal, drew Man City. So, yeah, it's a nine game, nine out of ten games, but, you know, it's about eight points, which isn't great. But yeah, anyway, okay. <laughs> enough about that. Um, do we have, were there more, oh God, there's another draw, West Ham, oh, Norwich, Bournemouth. Let's talk about Norwich, Bournemouth. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, do we? Uh, we they are awful. Both yes. both teams are horrific. I mean, that does constitute talking about them, Ian. It it does. I am talking about them. Yeah, the, <laughs> just I'm upset. It was it was a waste of my time. It was a waste of everyone's time. Uh, they are terrible. They are both teams are terrible this season. Yeah, just simple stuff like um, Pookie w- was put through for a one on one, and just sort of popped it along the floor. Nice and mm. easy for the goalkeeper to get, and you think put Aguero in that position. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, that goal's that ball's going in. Put Timu Puki about sixteen weeks ago, and that goes well, in. Yeah, 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 time, yeah absolutely, you know? yeah. So something's happened, but I mean, Bournemouth looked terrible. What I mean, I know you massively enjoyed Steve Cook's save. It was, I mean, that was a fantastic save. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> The athleticism, he was on the ground. He's on yeah. the ground, a 35, 34-year-old man, I think, yeah. getting up, having the cat-like reflexes to tip that one away. The fingertip strength, <laughs> save of the season, yes, please. And uh, I, I can't accept then Eddie Howe saying, oh, well, you know, it's one of them things, it's it's instinct. He, he, didn't, didn't, he didn't mean to do it, it was instinct. What? He's not a goalkeeper. He jumped off the ground and saved the ball. He knew exactly what he was doing. He's just a fucking moron. Yeah, if that's his instinct, you shouldn't have Ramsdale in goal. It should be him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's better than what you've got. Giving away a penalty and then knowing that you're going to be 10 men. It was very poor. But anyway, it was funny and it was a great save. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant save. Yeah, it's not what a team like Bournemouth need. You know, we mentioned club captains. I'm pretty sure he's... Captain the side, yeah. So you know, pretty pretty disrespectful there. And then there was the um, checking of the monitor. Yes, there was, of course, for um, Norwich's uh, red card, wasn't there? Yeah, uh, it was Godfrey. Godfrey. It's a weird one, this with this bar thing and the the screen at the side, because obviously, you know, we all know that they get like the referees get directives specifically at the start of the season, but then maybe through the season, it just feels odd to me to sort of. There must have been something at the start of the season. There must be a reason why no refs have checked the side of screen monitor. The the thing, the big thing they had with it, right, was always that it interrupts the flow of the game. Having a ref run over to a screen yep. interrupts and disrupts the flow of the game. But how is seeing action on a pitch more disruptive than everyone standing around not knowing what's going on and having someone that is not in the situation actually referee the game which is yeah what they ne- what they always said they didn't want they didn't want 
uh, the referee to be undermined or his authority to be undermined, and that's all that's ever happened. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's but it just it makes me wonder what was said at the start of the season that meant they didn't go and do it. Like you say, it must have been that. But then no referee wanted to do it, so now they've put this directive. And is it just for red card decisions, or or have they been encouraged to That's do it? That's what for... they were encouraged to do. I think right. after because obviously it happened with Palace in yes in the cup in the cup, and then so then kind of the median incident of this was that with the Aubameyang one where it happened with Palace, but it was over the earpiece. Yeah, um, and so after that. They then said to for the potential yellow card change to red card one, which is strange because that's a rule that's well, it's kind of a law that's kind of arbitrary, but not because it's based on perception. So if it's not, where does this then come in with that muddy, clear and obvious error uh, kind of phrase, which phrase which isn't clear and obvious? Um, and it's the same that you have linesmen, you know, the linesmen or system referees, sorry. Um, that are still actively encouraged, do not put up the flag, let the play go on completely to allow a team to score a goal, then raise your flag to then see what happens afterwards. And so now you've just got this extra kind of layers of everything that is what is truly making everything a lot more disjointed, which they didn't want. But it was the right decision. It was, uh, <laughs> Never, nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, it was the right The right decision was came to. That was definitely a red card. VAR did all right this week, to be honest. There was mm. not any big problems, to be honest. I think the right decision, except for maybe we'll come to it. I think, but we're, the, maybe well, the de- let's go to it now. What, what, which one? What are you thinking? The the Van Dijk and De Gea. Ah, oh, Firmino's goal. Firmino's goal. Yeah, so you'll yeah. remember that. So what was was it? A push on De Gea. So Salah sort of spoons it up in the air, and. It's coming down and it looks like De Gea is going to catch it, but Virgil van Dijk is going for the ball as well. And he is going for the ball. He's got his eyes on the ball. And it's it's not like his hands are sort of flailing up or his elbows are going crazy. But he does knock into De Gea in the course of challenging for the ball. And it's hard to call it a foul, I think. But that's what VAR said. It was the reason that the goal couldn't stand. Well, we've had that before with the whole looking at the ball. And in fact, you two... You and Oscar disagreed with me when it was the Michael Keane penalty. Yeah, that you yeah. know they were looking at the ball the whole time, and as he's going for it, stepped on the foot. But yeah. something with Virgil Van Dijk, he's an incredibly physical presence. Yes, and I've seen videos. I think when he was with the Netherlands team, that they're in a gym, and one of the players runs along and tries to, with his hand, um, slap like a sign in the air, and he can't reach it. And the guy's like, he's not very tall. But he's not like super short. Can't reach it with his arm in the air jumping. Virgil Van Dijk heads it. Right. Like <laughs> the guy has got a massive vertical leap. So yeah, I can imagine that if he's got that on a keeper, it's probably very easy to look like oh he is out muscling them or fouling because he shouldn't be able to get there. But he is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fair fair point. But um, I mean, Roy Keane and Graham Sooners were absolutely furious, uh, which was hilarious. Anything that annoys them is fine by me I suppose so so wait were they both furious for the same reasons or opposite reasons yeah no they were furious for the same reason aggressively agreeing Patrice Patrice Evra was in the studio and was just going it clearly on the wind up was just going yes foul that's a, that's a foul and <laughs> Sooners and Keane were just exploding it was absolutely brilliant I mean I hate Roy Keane I think he's a knob who's just 
doing doing his own character now for oh yeah he has been you know, for years ugh, god but anyway it was it was funny to watch because everyone was just, just didn't give a shit and was just like no it's, it's a foul and it, even though i was disagreeing with everyone i was like yeah that's brilliant keep winding up keenan sooner so that's great <laughs> well as we are there what well, you know liverpool have gone uh, even further clear. A million what is it now? Points clear. A billion points. <laughs> they are 16 points above Man City with a game in hand, 30 points ahead with a game in hand of Manchester United in fifth, um, which has got to be pretty good for you Liverpool fans out there enjoying that. I doubt any of you listen to us. <laughs> that's, that's a sad thing. We've finally come around to Liverpool and we've probably lost all yeah. of you. We've alienated the Northwest fair. a long time ago. It is fair, to be honest, if they if they hate us. Um, <laughs> but another commanding performance, really. Um, pretty solid. What is that, sixth clean sheet in a row? Finally, you bastards. Uh, again, <laughs> fancy football. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, do you think this is Liverpool kind of shutting up shop to get the job done and probably conserve energy for the Champions League games, which are next month. It felt like they didn't have to really get out of sort of fourth gear. You know, they didn't they didn't need to. I mean, there was a period where Man United were knocking on the door and you thought, mm-hmm. oh, you should you should have closed out one of one more of those chances. And the relief was clear when Salah did. Uh, <laughs> route one Yeah, from the goalkeeper. Route one assist from Allison and uh yeah, lovely old job. Shirt comes off, loses a point for fantasy football. Naturally. And allergic to bonus points, that guy. He is, he's absolutely, absolutely allergic to bonus points. Absolutely dodges them like the plague. Yeah, but the relief was palpable. You know, it was it was because there was a period where you think they are going to rue those missed chances if this mm. carries on. Um, but yeah, they they uh, seem to have been, become a lot more defensively solid. And um, like you say, I mean, they're just going to close it out now. They don't even have to win anywhere near every match now, but but they're going to want to, obviously. But yeah, I can see them. I can see them conserving energy for for Champions League stuff now. This is exactly what we thought Man City were going to do this season. Yeah, it's just we we just got the wrong team, guys. Don't we worry. Did, um, yeah. I mean, obviously they are still massively overperforming in terms of points, which I know will be to Oscar's chagrin. Uh, they are <laughs> they're on sixty four, and they're supposed to be on forty six, but. The goals scored and goal allowed goals allowed down to down to down 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 um, <laughs> numbers are moving closer to to kind of together. Um, yeah. They are only they've only scored five more and conceded six less uh, than they were supposed to. So, but they're still now especially like so defensively solid uh, again, and it's something that was massively missing at the start of the year. So, you know, Klopp must have worked very 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 hard on that to kind of bring that back and and what stood them so well last year i think it's just that they haven't they don't need to blow teams out of the water now they just no. they just don't they they're doing the Leicester grind out 1-0 2-0 wins and and jobs are bloody good in and and fair play to them for getting to the position in january where they can do that I'm going to keep saying january until it's february <laughs> crazy absolutely crazy um, a moment of silence for Leicester. Yeah, Oscar's loving this. I mean, he's... Oscar's favourite team, and I mean, cue the jingle. Oh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. Burnley, <laughs> Burnley, 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 gone Burnley. Uh, I mean, not by a hell of a lot. 
they got 1.2 XG scoring two, but Leicester 2.07 XG plus a pen and only scored one. So flipped on its head. Yeah. Uh, a good traditional Burnleyan. Good traditional Burnleyan, uh, Jamie Vardy. You. <laughs> you naughty sausage. Um, pepper in this FPL stuff all the way through. There's a lot. There's a lot of disappointment for me this week. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, shout out to Burnley for getting their first win, uh, apart from, you know, of course, beating Peterborough uh, since oh, mid-December when they played Bournemouth. <laughs> Um, so that was, you know, four losses, and and they were getting very, very close to to the relegation zone, um, especially with Watford kind of coming out of it, and it's still so truncated down there. Uh, I mean, from one week to the next, who knows? Um, I mean, Bournemouth are doing their best to try and sort out at least one of the relegation spots as our Norwich and we couldn't go I mean it's not West Ham Everton blah 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 1-0 1-1 sorry um, but we couldn't leave this one alone because my boy my one my true Alan St. Maximan with a <laughs> wonderful cross in oh it was a cracker bang, leaving Arisa Balaga in absolute no man's land because he's terrible. Terrible. Cost terrible 72 million pounds. Because that's why you don't buy Basque players off of Atletico Bilbao, baby. Because they <laughs> overcharge for nothing. And Isaac Hayden nods it in. Newcastle 1, Chelsea 0. Oh, that's why he's not here this week. <laughs> that's harsh. That's harsh. It is harsh. I mean, we, we were obviously texting throughout the time as as we do and he was just saying like Chelsea are looking good we're going forward we're, like we're gonna score we're gonna score and I said so this has 90 second minute sucker punch written all over it <laughs> right did, yeah you did and nailed it um, <laughs> yeah it was an entertaining nil nil even before the goal I was I was I thought it was quite a good game. I saw some people say it wasn't, but... Yeah, I saw the highlights. It did look quite energetic. And I mean, Newcastle... I mean, there were all the videos going around of Alan Shearer dancing around, doing a little tippy-toe dance. Um, <laughs> you know, riding high after their dismantling of Rochdale uh, in the <laughs> FA Cup third round replay um, yeah. during the week. And uh, yeah, kind of fight again, fight into the ends. Like, that's what... That's what the Premier League should be about. Not looking at all of those results and seeing draw, 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 and not, you know, not much going on. But you know, those last-minute kind of goals that make us absolutely love football, and it's all its bastard footballness, and especially when it's Chelsea losing. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why Oscar was absent this week. Not, no, not absent this week, no. but rightfully not happy uh, because I think Chelsea. You know they they really should have been able to dispatch that team no yeah. problem. It's 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 the same thing I think of taking taking of chances, which is a little worrying. Yeah, and it's just that that cycle happening again of these teams just not wanting to seize the opportunities of actually getting something. You know, Chelsea seven points in the last five five games sorry man united nine points out of the last five games tottenham is is five points out of the last five games uh arsenal is six like they're just not they're not making progress any of these teams and it's just everything's just kind of drifting along yeah. like a piece of drifty driftwood 
it does seem like a bit of a race to mid-table. I'm surprised that there hasn't been a bit more transfer window activity, to be honest, because mm. with it being like this, you feel like a, a manager or a director of football might be like, we only need one player to get us over the top, you know? Yeah. And I'm sort of surprised there's not been a bit more activity, to be honest. January, traditionally, because it is much shorter window and you've had to focus so much on the Christmas schedule, especially if you don't have things in place like a director of sport or mm. those kind of good back-of-house infrastructure like Man United, it does lend itself to more transfers happening towards the end of the window. Like I know last year, there was obviously when Palace got back Shuai and it was very late, yeah. um, but they'd only been made aware of that two or three days before because of the situation and then it can very often you can have the domino kind of transfers of going around but what club wants to sell their good players midway through a season that's that's kind of why and it may it does make me wonder what their plans are for the January window because everyone acknowledges that you're charged the premium because it's mid-season mm-hmm. because if you don't score many goals and you need a striker right we'll we'll add 10 million onto this guy because yeah, you need him. We may not need him, but that's irrelevant. Um, you don't want to sell to rivals. I just wonder if they'll do away with it because it, it used to be before then you could make signings up until like March or April, couldn't you? Like right, most of the way through the season. I can't even remember what it used to be like. I've been so indoctrinated by Sky Sports and the <laughs> and the transfer window and the deadline day. of everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is talk as well of of them changing the summer window because obviously now for us. Once the uh, the first game starts, that's it. We could, we can't make any transfers, whether domestic or abroad. Yeah. But foreign teams can still buy English players, well, players from English yeah. clubs. So they're talking at the minute, and they have apparently they have a meeting next month. Again, this should have been in fucking news. Um, <laughs> that they will decide and vote uh, because the original vote to change this, they had a majority. It was fourteen clubs they needed to vote for it, and I think seventeen did to say that the transfer window ends here. But a lot of the clubs now are seeing that there's pull from the European clubs that are making it difficult for them. So what they're potentially going to vote for is a hybrid system where you can't buy your like other teams uh, from, from England's players, but you can still buy from abroad for a bit longer. Oh, so right, it kind okay. of that then matches the German or or the Spanish or wherever's transfer window, but the English window. So you're not kind of poaching off of each other's yeah. teams and weakening. So it's quite interesting. I think to change that they only need ten or something like that. So they just need a majority ruling. So then I think that would then be the year after that would come in. So right, okay. So changes might be afoot. Changes could be afoot, but yeah, the January window is always just. Everyone looks forward to it and then you're in it and you're like, this is always shit. Yeah. yeah. Because people either don't get to spend the money or you you know, you don't really get the impact, especially for a club like Palace when you've got a billion injuries. It's not, not yeah. fun. Right, shall I take us through some listener stuff, Chuck? Oh please. Yes, please. We've the, got the... none. That's it. <laughs> We've got no listeners. We've no got listeners. no stuff. No questions. <laughs> they were good to us. They knew it was just me and you, so they sent plenty of stuff. So just the two of we've us. We've got. <laughs> we've got. We can make it if, if we, we try. try. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Sorry. It's all right. I watched Austin Powers the other day when they. You were and I. <laughs> yeah, we saw him and Mini Me <laughs> playing. That's just so many weird little performance moments in them films that are great. Those anyway. films 
have not aged well. They haven't, but, but I they love were, them. They yeah, they were so sort of part of my humour when I was in my sort of early twenties or whatever that I still hold them in a lot of fondness. And I love Heather Graham. I love Heather Graham so much. <sighs> um, Dave Matteo asks, tracksuit or suit for a manager? See, I don't know if you you have the same thing as me, but like a manager, like you you can view people in that position differently. Like Alex Ferguson, mm. manager. Arsene Wenger, manager. So suit. Whereas yeah. someone like Nigel Pearson, you know, I can I can get with it. Tony Pulis. They feel like coaches, don't they? Rather yeah, than managers. Pikeys. Yeah, pikeys. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a weird one though, isn't it? Because like I would not countenance wearing a tracksuit in my life now like ever <laughs> like, just even wouldn't... in the gym even in the gym you're in a full three piece exactly. uh, you've got you've got top hat tails yeah braces uh, strolling <laughs> strolling along the the what's it called a treadmill with your cane yeah, yeah exactly. to you yes <laughs> but i think and that's weird because i'm i'm only 36 only 36, if you believe it. <laughs> but um, I'll let it go. If, you, I'll let it go. if you're a 36-year-old manager, you've probably only recently stopped playing, and I feel like that's the time when you can do the track You're a young thing. man. You're, you need to change games, mate. Yeah? If you become a football manager, everyone will be saying how young you are, how not young, how old yeah, you are. He's very young. Very young, young, thrusting manager. Thrusting. Um, so I feel like you can do that as a... But yeah, you can't be... You can't be sort of 60-something and still turning up in a tracksuit. I think that's awful business. It's got to be a suit, I think. It's got to be a suit. You've got to command some authority. You can't do that in a fucking Umbro shell suit. I'm not having it. (laughs) Or what about... um... This new, the new kind of, you know, the fashionable ones like Eddie Eddie Howe and Ralph um, Hassan Hutel, they wear like these really like skinny tracksuit bottoms. Mm. It's very, very strange. They're very form hugging, leggings type scenario. Yeah, they are. But I don't, I don't mind in general. Like, I don't really mind Pep's Cotagan and all the Stone Island jackets and (laughs) whatever. Yeah, it's it's hard to have a pop at his fashion sense. Really, that's that's not something that. Yeah, I'm especially when doing. you know the opposite is Jurgen Klopp, who I don't think is wearing a single piece of clothing that doesn't have Liverpool FC and the badge on it. Yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if there's underpants, socks, like. Yeah, there's definite uh, deference to the New Balance deal there, isn't there? Oh, hugely. <laughs> but at some point, you just think, mate, take your fucking baseball cap off, sort it out. Yeah, stop headbutting people in the showers and just... No, keep doing that. That's... <laughs> Content. It's fucking great. Dave asked another one. He says, you get to bring back one England player from history at their peak for this year's Euros. Who do you choose to bring back? I mean, well, judging by the fact that we could be without Kane and Rashford. <laughs> You're going to go for a striker. <laughs> um, who scores goals? Uh, Jeff Hurst. <laughs> I guess. Lineker, Rooney. Lineker. It'd get offside a lot. It'd, it'd get offside a lot yeah. with VAR, I think. I think either a goal scorer or, oh, well, Gaza. Yeah. It'd be good to have that maverick kind of, can just create something out of absolute yeah. nothing in At there. his peak, yeah. That's quite yeah. something, yeah. Dentist chair in the fuck out of everything. <laughs> yeah. That's his peak for you, is it? The dentist chair, specifically. Uh... I mean, you know, some people will talk about the goal that precedes it. 
being one of the greatest England goals ever, especially as it was against Scotland. It is a fucking great goal, but <sighs> but you're more about the celebration. I understand. Yeah, or yeah. we just need goals. Shearer. <laughs> Shearer, yeah, that's a shout, yeah. Could yeah. still do a job, I reckon. Gordon Banks. I mean, we haven't had a good keeper since oh, yeah. Shilton, probably. Uh, like a pro, you know, really good keeper because Seaman had a rick in him, definitely. Seaman had a rick. Who else? We had Rob Green, Tim Flowers, Joe Hart. Jo- oh yeah, David James, Jesus, God, Paul Robinson. Might might be nice to have a decent keeper for a bit. Oh, he had some, yeah. Now Jordan Pickford. He was a hero, a hero a couple of years ago. But I mean, he's shown that he's definitely got some odd decision making in him. Oh, God, yeah, the one against Liverpool with Origi and, uh, oh, God. Loves to scream at people when it was him at fault. So you're going for goalkeeper and I'm going for goals. So we're all right. We're <laughs> yeah, all right yeah we've got yeah. it covered. We're fine. We're, yeah. we're keeping clean sheets and we're scoring. Good. Happy days. Yeah. Um, this is this feels like it might be more one for you. I'm not sure because I wasn't really a boot man. But Sam Danby asked, what's the best football boot ever? Um, I've never really got into football boots. Oh, okay. Well, I'm the same. Maybe we'll have to gloss over this one then because I didn't really no, care. No. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I, I liked certain ones. Like I had Adidas F50s and they were like these kind of plasticky things, but you could customise like the shells. And, and so you could get like different shells, insoles. They had three different types of studs. All right. Super customisable then. Yeah. So I had a few. And then it was, what World Cup would that have been? Uh... 2010 no it would have been 2006 world cup i think and they had they did they did them for every national team that was sponsored by adidas you could get your own customized ones so i had england ones and because they look cool for dave mateo i had australian ones as well and there was a kangaroo on there uh there were two boomerangs on the back of bright yellow um but i didn't actually play football in my formative (laughs) years so that's why i used to wear them for rugby Uh, you're a rugby man of course they weren't very good rugby boots like when I was a kid, the the Predators came out when I was a kid, yeah. Like, and the marketing campaign and everything was fucking insane, Huge. and like everyone wanted them. But I remember them being three figures back then. It was they were fucking mm. expensive. They aren't, they aren't quite as much now, but no. you have so many different types of boot for everything that you, yeah. it's so hard trying to gauge what the actual cost is going to be. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got some that are just for, like, basic indoor fiber-side, then outdoor fiber-side, then if it's 3G or, like, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, that sandpaper shit or <laughs> blades or molded or yeah. plastic studs. It's like, fucking hell. And they change... They cha- I'm sound like such an old man now. Like, they change so often. They release, <laughs> like... I swear, they release, like, three different volumes of them each yeah. year. Like, just go back to the classic... The ones, uh, was it Ronaldinho wore in, the, they were the Nike ones and they were white and had a gold tick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what they were called, but it was one of those famous adverts where he then starts doing the keepy uppies and then does like multiple hits against the crossbar. Those, I always wanted those boots. Yeah. Never got them. There you go. Maybe, I mean, Sam, Sam's a football coach, so I think he's far, be far more educated than us on such things. Oh, is he? But yeah, he coaches over in, where is he, Norway. Norway. Why don't you get over there, mate? I told you that's that's your in. 
So you can be a thrusting young buck. Oh, of course. Sorry, yeah, I'm a manager now. I forgot. Yes, you are a manager. Make sure you take your suit with you. God, I've been heading a lot of balls. I've got dementia. Uh, <laughs> I totally forgot. I'm a manager now, yeah. Does it also wear out your hairline, heading balls? Or... <laughs> yeah, fuck it, yeah. I did it on either side. <laughs> Just got the We're widow's... glancing. The... Glancing yeah, exactly. hits. Just glancing them on for someone else. Yeah. Getting that knockdown. <laughs> never scored. Never scored a header. Yeah. Never scored, no. <laughs> okay, um... I should actually mention all of these. All of these questions have come from uh, patrons on the Slack, so you can go to Patreon.com/slash/MilesOffsidePod, donate to us. You get on the Slack, you get extra FPL pods, uh, you get all sorts of stuff. There's a uh, Oscar runs a fan tracks uh, draft, fantasy football draft league for patrons, which you'll be in for next season. All sorts, all sorts. So get on it. Yeah, and some of our patrons aren't on there at the minute, so get involved. There's um, there's some lovely chats going on down there. Many things. Indeed. And Mark Daffin, one of our uh, newer Patreons, he says, simple one, what is your favourite ever goal? Well, first of all, um, Mark is probably the worst fantasy football player (laughs) and has cursed all of the players that I had in my team. (laughs) He wildcarded this week uh, and got in. Uh, a team similar to yours, yeah. Yeah, that's why I got 27 points. Um, uh, we'll go into it. <laughs> we'll go into it. Um, Favourite ever goal? I was even thinking about this earlier and got just so many. And the problem is I've been, I've been there for so many good ones that I was on the receiving end of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate that when you see a, a amazing worldie from the opposition. You just have to go... Yeah, it's a good goal, isn't it? Fuck me. <laughs> so I fucking hate that feeling. That fucking Giroud Scorpion Were you kick. there for that? Yes, I was fucking centre for it. <laughs> I could see that it, it was one of those goals, and I, I, it kind of comes across on TV, but they'd been playing that the the ball from like the centre with, I think it was Sanchez coming round and just bypassing Joel Ward. They'd been playing that ball all game, and so you're just like, this is the ball they're going to play. This, is, And so you could just see it coming. And the fact that you could just see that, and you're like, right, now he's going to cross it to Giroud. Oh, there, wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't see that bit coming. Yeah. I mean, you've you've already mentioned one, the Ga- Gaza against Scotland. Was... Yeah, Gaza against Scotland. That was pretty bloody good. One of the, uh, I remember Michael Owen against Argentina. Yes. In the World Cup 98. That was... That's kind of right on the cusp of when I can remember football properly. 98, right, okay. Like the 98 World Cup, that's kind of my first World Cup. Yeah. Uh, especially because I was really into football then. So that, Michael Owen goal, and obviously he was so young. He was, what, 17 at the time? 17 and, and got taken to there and looked, especially the shirts back then. Yeah. Because they weren't like these form-fitting shirts. It just looked like he'd borrowed one. Off like he's one wearing of a flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he just went on that mazy run and you're just... Our house went mental. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely mental uh, when that goal went in. Um, so there's that. And then club-wise, it's got to be... Got to be uh, Wilfred Zaha against Brighton. Playoff, <laughs> playoff semi-final, second leg. Oh, wow. He'd already banged one and it just... Oh, the commentary, the fact that he did it right in front. <laughs> Of the Palace fans, the fact it was at Brighton. Oh, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> it's um, interesting you mentioned like 98 and it being um, sort of then that you really got into football. 
because mine, and I just have a lovely memory of watching it and just going, fuck me, that was amazing. It was 1999, uh, Man U against Arsenal, FA Cup uh, semi-final, I think it was a replay, and Ryan Giggs' goal where he does five Arsenal players, like manages to sort of wrong foot practically each one of them and sort of get it round the back of them. It was an unbelievable it run. Was, he ran from deep within their own half, didn't within he? Within his own half, yeah. But he didn't. I don't think he had to beat anyone until he crossed halfway line. But yeah, still then just beats five players as if they're barely there, ties them up in knots and smacks it in. And takes then his shirt off. Takes his shirt off and looks like he's wearing another shirt. Yeah, as hairy <laughs> as Oscar is underneath <laughs> his many layers. Exactly, yeah. Had one of his nighttime layers on. Yeah, and then goes and shags his brother's sister. Brother's sister, brother's wife. Sorry. Shags his brother's sister. Yeah, so it would also be his sister. Wales. Yeah, who knows? It happens. Lonely nights on the farm. It happens. Um, but, but it's just such a great goal. And like, I just remember, so 1999, I was 15 and I was, um, yeah, consuming a lot of football like you could self. Mm. And it was just, it, that was a great goal. And I've, I fancied myself as a Giggsy type player. I wasn't. I wasn't very good. You were just hairy. Yeah, I was just hairy, even back then. Very, very astute gentleman. Yeah, that was a great goal. I don't know why that one always sticks in my mind because I, I always like gigs as a player. So that one has, just... has been replayed a lot. And yeah, I think yeah. That, I think that's fair. Like Ryan Giggs as a player, mate. Not so much as a manager, but no, apparently not. No, no, as a player. I mean, what did he play? Like seven hundred and something games for Man United. Oh yeah, it was insane, wasn't it? Yeah, fair play to you, mate. Give it Giggsy. Give it Giggsy. Yeah. So, um, if you want to get in touch to ask us questions or anything like that, we are on Twitter at Miles Offside Pod. We're on Facebook, and um, you can email us as well. We used to have a thing where people we tried to encourage people to email us embarrassing stories that we could then read out and oh, yeah. recount some of ours. That only only really brought us the the Emu one planes. classic Emu Planes email that's in the best of from a few few episodes back but uh, it's milesoffsidepod at gmail.com if you want to send us any anything a bit lengthier oh yeah <laughs> you know or just I mean. come round my house um, <laughs> I mean we could because next week of course um, before we go into FPL I'm really putting <laughs> it off putting as long as possible yeah, yeah. really am really really am um, next weekend is FA Cup so we'll be recording when the FA Cup's going on so we'll kind of focus on it a little bit um, but we also want to have some content from you, so I don't know. Maybe we'll share some embarrassing stories again, and I'll, I'll try and think of some. Maybe <laughs> not involving me shitting myself. Um, shout out as well. This is a funny one, which has made me remember from the FA Cup chat. Is that Watford had to play Tranmere, and the game got postponed last week. Uh, I think because of all like the storms and stuff that happened here or something. Right. Can't remember. Basically, all the groundsmen fucked up, whatever. So <laughs> the game had to be postponed to this week. But the third round replay is then three days before the fourth round starts. And Watford already started selling tickets for it. Oh, so yes, I did hear about that. Yeah. presumptuous <laughs> of them. So Tranmere, do, do some magic. Yeah, that I mean, they, I suppose they've got to start selling tickets, but yeah, that doesn't. That's not yeah. a good look, is it? They are going to look like stupid ostriches. <laughs> great, great Pearson reference. Um, yep. I think we've got to do FPL now. Oh, I don't think we do. 
<laughs> we don't have to touch too much on your own personal performance, Chuck. We just need to mention it. You're such a prick. Am I? Am I? <laughs> yeah, and it's fine. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Um, should we start with the pod team? The pod team that I absolutely hate. The pod team I absolutely hate that is total shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 60 points. <laughs> um, I think it's 64 now. Uh, well, we took a minus four. Oh, we took, apologies. We took, of course, oh yeah, of course we did. To get in Williams, we who took was it. third on the bench. <laughs> we took a hit, yeah. Who else okay. did we get in? Um, well, well, we transferred out uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin for um, Ings. Oh, Ings, yeah. That didn't work, <laughs> So did we it? are definitely down on that deal. I think, to be fair, in retrospect, we did need to get Ings uh, just, uh, as protection, mm. if nothing else. I think so, but I just think there were better things we could have done, especially taking a points hit and not getting in a terrible Man United defender. I don't care what anyone says, and all these stupid people on Twitter trying to rank him over Trent Alexander-Arnold and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Is that fucking happening? Stupid. That's outrageous. You're fucking stupid, That's... yes. And I don't know whether it's just those people that do it deliberately to get reactions out of people or say, like, don't at me. Like, no, yeah. no, no, he's not. He's played, like, three games. No. No. So, I'm in agreement. That's a no. But anyway, the pod team did well, though. So, Pope, Alexander-Arnold, Traore, Jimenez. Mm. Yeah, so kind of the double-edged sword because we had Pope, but we had Vardy. So, it's like... Yeah, What what does he get for the... What did he get? How many points does he get for the penalty save? I don't know. Is it three for a penalty save? No, it's five. Five? Okay, so that worked out then. That's all right, yeah. And also, Pope's less owned and played than Vardy would have been, so it's it works for us that he goes instead of Vardy. Yes. It was yeah, it was tasty, Indeed. tasty sixty four points. Uh, bit of a bit of a resurgence for the pod team. So anyway, we've got to suggest and get the poll out probably before the episode goes out, obviously, um, of what we're going to do. Yeah, because the next game week starts obviously Tuesday, and we record Sunday. So by now. I mean, unless Ian oh God, does a madness, time travel again. Yeah, the poll will the poll will be done. So yeah, we kind of have to do a one day wonder here. Okay, so let's just bang out our suggestions then. Okay, so did fucking Sir Hits a lot make a suggestion? He did, and it's a hit, obviously. Uh, so he has suggested Aurier and Madison out, Robertson and Snodgrass in. Okay. So, four-point hit, get rid of Aurier, who they're playing against, Norwich. It's a moneymaker, I think, to be able to afford. I don't think, without getting rid of the only other expensive defender we've got, we won't be able to afford Robertson. So, yeah, and that's bringing in two double game weekers, so... Okay, that's fair. So, an extra two fixtures. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Ian? Um, so, I'm going to suggest something that's fairly similar to what I'm doing in my own team, actually. But Okay. Um, KDB and I don't like it although he's blanked twice so maybe I shouldn't worry but KDB out and Madison out to get Salah in and then uh, Fleck who we talked about earlier has been oh, okay. getting on the end of a lot of stuff lately uh, probably be on the bench most weeks but it's nice to have someone on the bench who you can rely on if you need him okay fair enough um, and then mine <sighs> I'm still in two minds about what to do yeah because I, I don't know whether to take a points hit or not, but obviously you want to get... Got to get a third Liverpool player. Players in. And the problem is with Vardy, obviously, like, he's on terrible... After, you know, this injury, his child, those kind of things, and missed penalties on terrible form. I think they said... Uh, I saw something earlier where it's like he hasn't had a shot on target since, like, Boxing Day. 
Yeah, that's that. That was true. Yeah, he's and not so, been in great nick. But yeah. he just absolutely feels like no matter what happens, when we get rid of Vardy, <laughs> he will bang the next week. Of course he will. Yep. And so I don't feel like dropping him against West Ham is a good thing. But it's and clearly on Chelsea, your mind. Yeah. So I'm actually going to go to the back and something that probably won't go for. But it kind of leads into what we were saying before that Liverpool now seem to be shutting up shop more and playing a bit more defensive and just going for clean sheets. So Jetto Willems is looking like he is out. Yes. Gone for ages. So yes. I'm going to suggest, and we have the exact money in the bank, Jetro Willems to Joe Gomez. Wow. Okay. Now, a lot of people aren't going to like that because obviously you want the more premium, etc., etc. And yes, Van Dyke, Alexander Arnold, Robertson all have that positive attacking potential, but he's been playing 90 minutes every time. Yeah. Um, looks good. And we get the double game week in. Don't do anything too mental. Yeah. And it fixes a problem that I don't like. So, yeah. And oh, and also I'm throwing in there that um, my suggestion is also to triple captain Mane this week. Yeah, that's the thing. I think we need to. Um run a poll on who we triple captain depending on who we get in obviously because if mm. we end up doing your suggestion there then I'm fully behind that just triple captain money it's obvious yeah. Um, so very, it very much depends well on... I suppose then the debate could be do you triple captain Mane or do you triple captain Alexander Arnold yeah it could with the defence I suppose actually that's, that is probably worth doing a poll for actually to be honest because yeah I mean defenders traditionally do quite well on double game week so it's, yeah. it's often someone like that who comes through and Especially Liverpool's form at the minute. I mean, Gomez might be a, your suggestion. There might be a cheap way to bank a couple of couple of clean sheets in a in a week. So, yeah, okay, we'll we'll have to bang the poll out as quick as possible then and do a do a bit of a flash poll on a couple of things. So yeah, sorry, you guys listening to this, it will already be over. So make sure <laughs> you kept an eye on social media. I guess <laughs> <laughs> there'll be other things on our Twitter. There always is. You've been doing a stand up job taking the piss out of Peter, but it's been lovely. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I think we did that pretty well, Mr. Simpson, don't That's you? That's all right, yeah. I don't think we need him. XG. <laughs> oh, beat pop stats robot. Oh, I've got a lightsaber. Oh, uh, America. things that actually happened rather than imaginary numbers. Yeah. Oh, let's get Christian Pulisic in our FPL <laughs> team. <laughs> all because Oscar's off on a competitive eating ice cream competition for lactose intolerant colourblind people. <laughs> True story, and we wish him all the best when he tries to vanquish Joey Chestnut in a chestnut eating competition. Um, thanks again, Ian. It's always good to talk to you, mate. And you. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, best of luck, I guess, in FPL, and take care. Bye bye. See ya.